Yo, what is good? What it, it is your boy E. It's your boy B. And we are the greatest podcast in the world. Coffee Dad. Aesthetic. Yeah, man. It's the big CDA, man. Oh, what's good? What's good? How you feeling? Hey man, we feeling good. Uh it's the big three oh just hit the big three oh recently. Uh we we we're gonna let the production team add some claps in the back. All right, feeling that. All right, yeah, feeling that, feeling myself. Thank you guys. Proud of going crazy. This pop is amazing. I feel like John uh, Johnny Morrison, whichever name he's taking at this point. Uh, I'll take Johnny Bronx. Uh, we here right now. I'm feeling great. Hey, big thirty. You know what I'm saying? Uh, feeling a little under the weather. Went a little too hard. Baldy is very very much a skin baldy. So got a little sick. Uh, don't want to embarrass myself, but feeling good. I feel that. Um, so, with today, we have a very special guest. Um, one of the first of many, and um, I'm glad that we're starting off here. We have a professional wrestler, Andy Lee Ray. What's good? How are you feeling? Hello, sir. It's uh, great to have to be on here, and I'm doing amazing today. Had a, did a quick workout before I came on here. So I'm all nice, sweaty, and ready to do this. I'd love to hear it. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where Who is Andy Lee Ray? Well, Andy Lee Ray is a person that has been wrestling on and off since roughly 2011. I originally trained at House of Glory for roughly about five years, then just due to a lot of personal stuff that I had to go through, I took about a five-year hiatus, you know, just dealing with life and just trying to find myself, trying to find out just who I truly am, not just in wrestling, but just in life in general. Then about around September of last year is when I officially made my in-ring return at New Age Wrestling, New Age Wrestling. And in short, who Andy Lee Ray is, he is a man who is by all means, definitely a character. In particular, he's definitely heading towards a Dr. Eggman, Dr. Robotnik type of style at the moment with some craziness and some other stuff in between. And he's just a overall entertainer, but despite like my weight, I'm surprisingly athletic, surprisingly strong, and I'm just a bit of everything. Hell yeah, I love that. Yeah, so me on it. So, um, can you tell us, um, how did you get into wrestling? Like, what what inspired you to uh to start doing this? Honestly, I loved it ever since I was little. I remember the first match I ever saw. I don't remember. I think it was a WCW show. I was I was sitting down in the living room. I saw Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And which was just something about Ricky that just made me a little bit into it. But as years kind of went by, and I didn't have cable basically growing up. So I just had to do like the wrestling on those random Sunday channels. And I would see some WCW stuff and I would see Goldberg. And Goldberg was actually probably my first love into wrestling until I found out who Stone Cold Steve Austin was. So I went from one bald guy and went to the other bald guy. 
And the rest, honestly, is like history. I've always wanted to be a wrestler. I remember in middle school, um, a few years ago, I found a letter saying what's going to be my dream job. And I wrote a bunch of crazy scenarios. And it was just in wrestling. And then around high school, I was just messing around with some people. You know, we always talked about it, but never really did anything. Then in 2011, I heard of House of Glory. I've heard of Amazing Red. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to end it. I went in it for a few years. I trained and I already said, like, basically the process of that. Okay. So, um, going into the career of a, like being a one to be a professional wrestler, what are some of the, uh, biggest challenges you faced so far going into um, this line of work? One of the biggest challenges, the thing I tell people is when it comes to a wrestler, we, we are athletes that have the same struggle as artists. And what I mean by that is as an athlete, you have to train, keep your body right, you know, constant pain, stuff like that. But due to the nature of the business, especially the low-level indies, sometimes you just have to wrestle for free. Just like if you're a musician or you're an acting, like you have to do some gigs for free before you get noticed. And to me, professional wrestling is physical theater at its finest form because there is nothing fake about it. We put our bodies on the line. Everything we do is physical, but we are storytellers. So it's like, a, so that's why I said like the biggest thing is the physical uh, demands of an athlete, but the struggle of an artist. Trying to do what you can to get your name over, especially these days with social media and just anything that can make you stand out more from a crowd. Because anyone can do a headlock, but why is your headlock mean something more than someone else's? Such a beautiful way to put it, man. Uh, I'm an artist myself. Uh, and that's what I like to tell people because people, you know, they'll ask me, they're like, hey, how do you, why do you like wrestling? Like, you're grown. And I'm like, ah, you're stupid. But what I tell them, I tell them pretty much like, hey, wrestlers are artists. Like they're painting a canvas and you just get to see it like on TV and you get to see it live. But these people are doing things with a purpose intentionally. They're trying to entertain you, but also tell you a story. And with that said, what's your favorite example of uh, storytelling in wrestling? Do you want a personal example or from something I have with uh, something that I've watched and I've studied? I mean, either or, man. The floor is yours. Hmm. Well, from well, from a personal standpoint, it was a random match I had in Pennsylvania a few years ago, back in my previous old gimmick. It was a trip, it was just a triple threat match. Um, and for those that don't necessarily watch wrestling or know what triple threat matches, that's when you have three. That's when you have three men in the ring. First pinfall submission wins, and. The story was a very simple story. At the time, you had a Pokemon trainer type of guy. You had a drunken pirate. 
and you had like this super serious character that was all like just wrestling at one point. Obviously, like the story that we kind of build was like, I'm a Pokemon trainer, so I should be a lightweight. So I get like a little zip, I'm a little light, I'm like feeling a little dizzy, the pirates like feeling dizzy. So we're doing the little ha-ha, little funny stuff. But then as the match goes on, you can see the physicality of all of us, that you can see that, hey, when that has a bunch of goofballs, that you see the physicality, you see me doing a move, you see um, the pirate doing a move, you see the, the super serious guy who's just being just a mean, prick um just just trying to be dirty try to cheat no matter what he does hit a move i'm about to win one two and out of nowhere a big splash lands on me and it looked like i had it won but it was stolen just right out of me but in terms of something i love to study in terms of perfect storytelling one match I always go to is Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, WrestleMania 25. Beautiful. Like, anyone that has ever watched that match can truly understand just how, just like how perfect that match was in terms of the story that they was creating. You see Shawn that has got, that has beaten The Undertaker in every single match. You have The Undertaker that has never lost at WrestleMania. You see Undertaker do his infamous, famous dive. He almost, he misses, almost breaks his neck and then hits a tombstone. Sean kicks out. Sean hits a super kick. You don't know who's gonna win until that one mistake was over. Taker wins to survive another WrestleMania. Beautiful, beautiful. Those are two great examples, man. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's crazy that you said The Undertaker and Sean because I was literally just watching a, a YouTube video on their history. And, you know, I was pretty young. I was born in 92. So when their feud initially started, I kind of missed a lot of it. I didn't know that they had been wrestling forever and that... uh like you said, he had never really been the Undertaker. He could never get the best of him. So it made that story so so much better when I came back to revisit it. I'm like, wow, there's so much history here. The storytelling in this is amazing. And I just love, I love, I love, I love, especially now that wrestlers are taking more control of their IP. They're taking more control of their history because there's so much. There's so, When you look at people like Terry Funk and his feuds and how they've carried throughout history, throughout companies like it doesn't matter what companies he wrestled for that man is considered one of the greatest you know what i mean to, to do it you know what i mean and that's because of how serious he took the art of storytelling and it's it's stuck with people some of the best stories stick with people and what wrestlers do what you do is physical art you guys take your bodies and put it on a canvas man it's like it's like what like the best metaphor you know what i mean at least to me like I, I just love it so much i love it so much most definitely that's why i refer to wrestling as physical theater at its most finest form because there, there is no other better story no matter how it's told it's the same story told in many different ways an infinite an infinite amount of ways it could even be the same two people wrestling over and over and over again if they have that good chemistry, they could tell that story until the end of time. 
that's true. We saw that. Uh, we saw that with Keith Lee and uh, Dominic Dajakovic, I believe. Yep. A little recently, they've been wrestling forever. I, right. I didn't even know about their history until mm-hmm. you know until I saw the NXT stuff. And it's like, yo, like you said, man, you could just do it over and over with the same person. But why are you doing it over and over? What makes this one different? It's really up to you. And I just love when wrestlers put the put that onus on themselves and are able to really give you a continuation, give you more lore to read back on, give you uh, moments that you see that affect them later on, like Matt Jackson and his fake back injury that he was working on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just because people told told him that they, he couldn't work like stories, that the Young Bucks couldn't work any storylines and so their shit, that they were just flippy. So when you see wrestlers put that onus and like actually care about what they do, I just feel like it kills a misconception that this is just some type of like carny art. And I'm 100% for that, you know, man. And I love that you take you take it very serious, you know. Well, you definitely have to. Like, this is, you. people could tell fake when they see it. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by fake, you could tell that there are people that just want to do it just for the weekend. They could say, oh, I wrestle on the weekends just to say, hey, you do this for a few years together, meet some of their heroes that they're lucky in the, uh, in the indies, uh, shake hands with some of them, take some pictures, and that's all they expire to. Or just win, like, a little title here and there. And that's all they expired to. Nah, that ain't for me. I'm I'm in this to try to make it somewhere. I'm in this to try to go as far as I can. And if a company feels like they have faith in me, I'm gonna make sure I push me and that company as far as they allow me to. If they want me, if they want me to do a certain angle, and I can do it to the best of my ability to make that the best angle of the show. I would definitely do it. I would do promos. I would do matches. I'll do everything that I possibly can to try to make whatever angle, a moment match as much as I can over. That's great. I, I've always wondered about like getting over, especially in um in wrestling, like the the art of getting over. Like, how do you feel like? I know in terms of like what your gimmick changes, like in gimmicks grow, how do you feel like you best try to get your gimmick over? What do you feel like you can do to get that gimmick over? Honestly, the number one is believe in everything that you're doing. Like that is the biggest step. Like there's a big difference between doing something that you think is gonna be over and then doing something you generally believe in your heart and your soul that this is you, this is 100% you, and this is going to help you get over. Like for instance, in my previous old gimmick, which was a which was the Pokemon fanatic, the main I had the main purpose of that particular gimmick for one, the inspiration was due to my nephews. One of them loved Pokemon, the other loved wrestling. I love them both. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to combine those two together. And those were, and that was, was my heart for like a few years. Everything I put into that gimmick, it was my motivation for them. It was my inspiration from them. And it also allowed me to do some ha-ha funny stuff. Because one of the big things in wrestling, especially on the, on, especially on many different aspects, some people don't take their self, got self too serious. Not, they don't allow themselves to do something ha-ha funny. 
But if you think about it, some of the most serious, most badass wrestlers of all time have all done funny stuff. Stone Cold Steve Austin, Kurt Angle. Very true. Lord have mercy, Brock Lesnar a few weeks ago. Very, very true. A few months ago. So it's all about, like, you could be serious, but allow yourself... I'm going to quote Kurt Angle to make a to make an ass of yourself. I, I completely agree. I think that once uh, when a lot of wrestlers finally start to show like a, a, a character or leaving like a moment outside their character where it seems like you're looking at the person uh, more so than just the character that's built around it. I feel like it gets over with the fans so much more than um, them just coming out and reading this, the same lines that are written for them. Like that works for some people, but some people having a real personality really works. Oh, most definite. Like, that's why I definitely feel this version of me, this version of Andy Lee Ray is the most purest version of them all. Easily. Okay. Like, I feel comfortable enough to be talking in front of the camera, say whatever I'm going to say, be as goofy as I'm going to be. And mm -hmm. also... I could be goofy in the ring. I present myself. I believe I'm going to be a star. I present myself as a star. And yes, I could do some funny stuff. Ha, 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 ha. But then next thing you know, I do something funny. And then next thing you know, you see me just truck someone. Or you just see me like take someone's head off. Drop them on the, drop them up, drop them on the head. Like is a good, com I feel like I try to have a good combination of having, of being a character being a good aggressive wrestler and just being an overall just just Andy Lee Rage is being overall better. Okay, I like that. Um so uh we talked about uh Steamboat for a little bit. Uh I want your top three wrestlers that if you could work with uh any era uh, if you don't have three, if you have more than three, you, you have five, you can give us five, but I want like that, that real top of the top, who would you want to face in the ring? It can be from any era, anytime it can be current. Um, if you want to throw some challenges out there now you can do it. I, I'm definitely with that. Any error you said? Any error. Top five, any era, easily. No particular order. Austin, Taker, Kurt Angle, William Regal, Eddie Guerrero. That is a banger of a list. Um, That's solid. Yeah, definitely, definitely solid. Right now, I want current wrestlers, currently wrestling, who would you want to face? Mark Quinn from Private Party. Okay, interesting pick. I definitely want to talk more about that pick. Um, Anthony Gangon. Okay. Big Game Leroy. Let me go for some bigger names now. Mm. Uh, hmm. The Young Bucks in a tag match. Okay. 
and I'm not gonna lie, that last one stuff because there's a whole, there's a whole like giant roster of people that I, I just would love to face. Listen, you can just start naming off names and we will, we'll figure it out from there. Talk to us. I guess right now for the, I guess right now for the fifth one, I would probably go Derby Allen and Powerhouse Hawks. Okay. All right. So I, I wanted to see Mark Quinn was your first pick. I wanted, I, I felt like that was very interesting because you guys both kind of have like a, a similar uh, terms of a style of clothing in times of attire. So like, talk to me about that. Why that match in particular? Um, in particular, I've known him for a very long time, obviously from where we come from. And honestly, it's it's just it's just a match that I truly just feel that me and him will have a surprising match of the night candidate. More just because of our history with each other. Okay. Personal history that a lot of people don't know. Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like me and him will just be surprisingly like you would see you would you would see it on a card, be like, oh, this ain't nothing. And then afterwards you'd be like, where did that come from? All right. So talk a little bit about um about your gimmicks um the art of getting over what what is your favorite match because I, I know the triple threat match I, um uh it's on youtube currently uh, i think you can watch it on youtube um we are going to link down to some of your matches but what are some of your favorite matches uh that you can talk about that uh you really put in a lot of time and work into There's definitely a few. Unfortunately, a lot of my favorite matches are almost either not online or is like very difficult to find online. Like one one match I'm very, I'm very proud of, even though it's definitely not perfect. Hindsight 2020 was a tag match between uh, me and my tag team partner at the time, the Panda Man versus Amazing Red and Crimson for the House of Glory uh, tag titles. That was definitely one. Um, another match, another match, um, it was just like a, it was the good, I would say, but at around 2015, uh, in this company called Grand Slam Wrestling, I just had nonstop banger after banger after banger. And that's when I felt like 2015 was definitely the year, like before I stopped due to all the personal issues. That's when I felt like everything was slowly like coming together with that to a point that I'm watching my matches and I'm enjoying my work because I am my own worst critic. Like it took me a, 
about a good five years before I saw a match, I could be like, you know what? I actually enjoy that. But another singles match I could think of was me versus, wow, I cannot remember his, like his first name. I know he, he was called something Hart. He changed his name like three times th at this point. But it was, a, it was another match in Gia's, uh, in Grand Slam Wrestling. Me and him just had an overall banger of a match. Then afterwards, we were just dying to have another rematch. Unfortunately, that rematch never happened. And another match that I take a lot of pride in was a six-on-six -six match. It was me, Panda Man, and a guy named uh, Joe Quick versus the Fraternity. And I am so bad with names. I cannot remember that third guy. But that's one of the few matches that is definitely online. Especially the story that we told during the match, after the match, it was building. It was building up to a storyline that me and at my time the panda was just not getting along, and so that is definitely one match in terms of my performance, the storytelling, and just everything was just going like very smooth throughout. Okay, okay. Um what do you're you're coming back to the um, the ring you're how do you go about finding your bookings and picking your bookings what do you uh what do you think is like a, a good booking or what do you pick up because i know you said sometimes you might have to do something for free but how do you you know pick those bookings what do you that you feel are beneficial to you Well, I do, I do like uh, travel with some with some of my um, with some of my friends with on the road. Um, I'm not gonna give names because I don't think they 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 don't want like their names to be currently shout out at the moment. But I'm just on the road with some of the guys, and this is the bad thing about coming back after being gone for about five years. You're starting all the way from the bottom all the way from the bottom so you can't so i'm back to, to so i'm back to year one style of trying to get booked i just i just had like um like a match with with a uh, big with uh, big daddy Cruz a few um a few months ago before i got hurt by the way i'm clear i'm clear to wrestle again thank god i found out on monday hell yeah congrats man and dope thank you so um, me and him had a had a very short match, like about like a five minute match, but within like those short five minutes, I was able to show my character, my my potential star aspect of myself, I guess I could say, and I'm and throughout the match, you can see that how I perform, like there was nothing fake about what I do. Like I go in, I go in there, and it look, and it looks, it looks hard hitting. It looks, it looks like what I do in there is believable. And as you definitely see in the end, end of the match, I'm definitely not afraid to take something crazy. So in terms of trying to get more bookings, is just try to be as humble as possible, try to be as professional as possible. When I'm going, I'm wearing like polos, I'm wearing dress shirts. I'm trying to show like these companies, like I'm someone that should be taken seriously. Like I'm going in there, I'm looking professional. I'm trying to show you I'm professional. 
if you need me to have a 20 minute match, I can do a 20 minute match. If you want me to do a five, five minute match, I can do it. Whatever I am needed to do, I can do. But I can promise you this, whatever you have me doing, I will give it my 110% and I will be one day making people come back to see me. I will be putting butts in seats. Okay. Definitely sold me on that. Yeah, I'm sold, man. I'm, I'm one of the butts in the seats. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll be there, man. I love that. Uh, I have a, I have another question for you. Uh, a little, Maybe a little off, off what we were talking about, but uh, I was having a conversation with a friend about finishers and and how, you know, sometimes the art of the finisher is lost. And, you know, when you, you know, a lot of false finishes is kind of like trendy right now. Uh, what, how do you feel about finishers and like how they should be used? And do you feel like overall it's more about entertainment or should they always be a finisher and very important to the story of the match? Well, it definitely, definitely, uh, the big thing it would definitely depend on how established your character is, how established your finisher is, and how established you are. If you try, for me, I miss when everyone just reverse, 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 reverse finisher. That is something I feel like that's desperately missing. And moving yeah. forward, I, and moving forward, that is definitely what I'm working towards. Like, I don't mind, like, for, force finishes are definitely cool. But in terms of your actual finish, I feel like it builds more buildup. You go for it, it gets reversed. The other person goes for his, it gets reversed. You hit something else, boom, you try to go for your finish up, boom, that gets reversed. Like, the art of the story, the art of the story which is telling the match is just trying to hit the finisher. And if you're going to hit the finisher and you hit it, but that's not the end, end of the match... Maybe the ref is down. Maybe there's a rope break to protect it. But just kicking out of your finisher, it definitely it definitely hurts it. But once again, it also de also depends on how established are you. Like if you try if you establish name that everyone knows your finisher, it definitely helps than just doing like a random cool move and then someone kicks out. So if no one knows no one knows you. How are they going to know what your finisher is? But if they know who you are because they've seen you do that particular move multiple, multiple times, yeah, it makes a big difference for me. Like, especially when once my name gets out there more, my my signatures get out there, because my whole finisher is called Chaos Control, which uh, which... The best way to describe it is like a cross crossroads into a stunner. So yeah. So obviously that is a very that is a very interesting move, and I want that to be my finisher. So I've thrown that out in like some battle royals, or I might even throw that in like in a random tag or a random triple threat match. That that move can get protected, but definitely get a few eyes to be like oh that was a cool move and then once i finally have my singles match and i hit it and get the one two three like oh not only that was cool it was effective 
and a lot of moves today are not effective. That's true. That is true. That sounds amazing, by the way. Like, I didn't want to pop crazy while you were talking about it, but a crossroads into a stunner, man. Jesus Christ. It makes me mad that 2K uh, got rid of creative creative finisher, dude, because your, your creative superstar would uh, definitely be crazy online. That's crazy. I'm not gonna lie. I I try to I I try to do that move in the old SmackDown versus Raw creative finisher, and it always came out ugly. Jesus, hey man, one of a kind. Look at that. Facts. Who who would have thought? Yeah, I had to modify, yeah, had to modify it into an RKO in the game. Yeah, it's still, Jesus. Yo, it I'm still thinking works. about it, man. I'm just <laughs> popping crazy over here. Because <laughs> you know, you don't know when it's coming, but then you know when it does come, it just it's gonna look wild. Definitely. So, about picking finishers, how did you go about um, picking your finishers? Like, can you tell us, like, what was your first finisher, like, for for your character? Was this always uh, the finisher, or what? Tell tell me about the progression of your um your move set. Well, let's just talk with this particular finisher. Okay. Like, I thought about this back back in high school. Well, well, me and a few people just like goofing around, you know, play, like, thinking about becoming wrestlers, whatever. But ironically, when I finally started doing training and I was just trying to come up with a gimmick before I came up with the Pokemon thing, I would do that little crossroads stunner once in a while. It, like, I think I've done it, like, five times with the Pokemon gimmick within the five years. But within the Pokemon game, when I was doing the Pokemon um, gimmick, I was thinking of a move that I could hit on anyone that was cool, that kind of fit me, fit my character at the time. And I, it was a, like a jump-in cradle DDT, which I called the critical hit. And as a Pokemon trainer, didn't necessarily win a lot because who's going to take someone that throws a Pikachu or a Pokeball at you seriously? But... But as I was, but when I came, but when I came back as the new and improved Andy, Andy Lee Ray, the meme one, someone does, my face is memeable, very memeable, especially if you see pictures of some of my old matches, I always have just like a crazy face. Um, it was hilarious. But for, I would just thought about my old, like some of the stuff I used to like play with, like that old Crossroads Center. I did that in high school. I did that a few times as the Pokemon guy. And since this version of me, I'm actually going to be winning. I want to make sure I hit a move that's actually really cool and something that I actually thought about. And so that was my whole thing. And to even come up with the name of it, I'm doing a Sonic ish type of gimmick right now with dr robotnik but i'm not just sonic i'm gonna have some dragon ball stuff in there and just all the fandoms in general that i generally love this is why this is the ultimate version of andy lee ray because there's nothing fake about it i love sonic pokemon um dragon ball all types of things but since i'm currently rocking and leaning towards the more sonic thing chaos control it sounds good it's a sonic reference Shadow's a badass character. You know what? Why not? 
Okay. So uh, I've always been talking with wrestlers. I've always wanted to um, know more about this. What do you, what would you rather work face or heel? Face. Why? Because to be quite frank, that's the one I've had the, the most experience with. I definitely don't mind playing heel. I definitely feel like I need more work with being heel. Ironically, being Dr. Robotnik right now. But face just, it felt just more natural with me. And especially when I, especially when I be training with um, some, some of the guys I still do today, some of them on TV, some of them not on TV, um, you know, just be working around trying to work baby face, trying to work heel, and just trying to see what works best. I not since I've been like, I was baby face throughout most of the run as the Pokemon guy, I think the whole run as the Pokemon guy, but I'm not afraid to like be heel, but I definitely have more experience as a baby face. And being a baby face is technically a lot harder, but it's something I do enjoy being. Okay. Um, can you, I know you didn't want to, you know, talk too much about the road and the, and the stories, but do you have any stories that you can share with us um, that you would like to talk about? Something that funny that happened? Uh, uh, Joe? Oh, yes. Oh, I'm going to tell you about the best slash worst decision I ever did in my life in terms of wrestling. Okay. So, so me and a, so me and a few people, we had, we had the show in Texas in like central texas for those that don't know how far central texas is that's like past houston that's past dallas that's like near like the border of arizona so me and a bunch of people we decided to have the bright idea of driving all the way to texas <laughs> wait it gets better because not only we decided to drive, we decided to do this all in one weekend, leaving Friday, coming back Sunday. Wait, mm. it gets better. So we are driving nonstop going to Central Texas. It takes us about roughly 25 hours nonstop driving, just just switch, just switching uh just switching uh, drivers, just nonstop. I forgot what state we was, but we just got off and there was like a bunch of cicadas everywhere. So this, so there's a few times like I'm just meeting a bunch of people for the very first time. Um, like I said, I don't, I don't think they want to get shot out personally, so I'm not I'm gonna keep things um, secured. But That'd just be. meeting some people for the first time, some people I met I knew for years. Like, we're just talking all types of other stuff, like games, whatever. So we get there at 12 noon. Like, we like we get there at we get there at 12 noon. We're just walking around and everything is closed by two o'clock. Wow. And all this all this all the stores are closed, the movie theaters closed, everything's just closed, closed. So so we're getting ready for the so we're getting ready for the show. And for people, and for people that don't know, um, I live in New York, so I'm not used to seeing people 
regular be shooting like a rifle around like it's nothing. So that kind of threw me off. So we're all training and I'm just seeing someone practicing like shooting a rifle, like doing some things like like two blocks away from me distance. I'm like, okay. So we do so we do the show during during intermission. This story, this part may sound a little bad, but I swear it it's true. So um so I met so I met um some people, one of them. Have you ever seen the Amanda show? Yeah. So you so so you know so do you know the skit when they have like the when they have like the hill the hillbilly that had like the super buck teeth, the overalls, and looked like there was like five generations of inbreeding? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I don't mean I do not mean to offend anyone, but I, I, I swear to everything in my name, this was true. I met a I met a fan, super nice dude. But he looked exactly like that skit from the Amanda show. Like to the team, the ov- the overalls, the teeth, the way he talked. And in my head, I'm like, you are real. You're not a figment of TV imagination and over exaggeration. Like you are a real like archetype person. And it it just it just bug it just bugged my mind. So the show, so the show is over. I just want to point out, we drove 25 hours to get there, right? We got there at noon. Yeah. You want to know what time we've decided to leave? Hopefully soon after. Midnight. Always is. <laughs> so we drove midnight, but before we did, one of the guy, one of the guys had the right idea of Taking like the motel like blankets and towel, uh, and t- take the blank, take the blankets, take the pillows, and like every single time we stopped for gas, we just rotated. One person was laying down on on the seat. One person was laying down on the floor. One person was sitting on another seat. Another person was sitting on another seat. Every time there was every time there was a bus stop, we had to like rotate because not everyone had to get the comfy seat. And it took us about 27 hours to get back to New York. Jeez. So it was an amazing slash horrible road trip, which is something like it was the best slash worst decision I've ever met because the memories of that trip was just crazy. You know, that sounds wild. Um, that seems like again a life of a wrestler is a lot of time on the road. I know that can be uh, very grueling, um, very very. It's not always comfortable. It's not always uh, flights and stuff. Sometimes it is those long drives to get to that show in the middle of bumfuck uh, Texas or wherever you know. But you go and you make the best of it. Um, so you have one minute to sell yourself. I know you've done it a bunch of times, but in gimmick, you have one minute to sell yourself uh, to the companies out there. Uh, Give us your best promo. Uh, This is going to be the thing that we are post up there. So tell us why this, uh, any particular company, WWE, AEW, uh, GCW, NJW, whatever out there, why should they book Andy Lee Ray? 
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you are looking at the mean one himself, Mr. Andy Lee Ray. And I'm just telling you right now that yours truly, he will do what he needs to do. He is a character. He is the one. He is the only. He is Andy Lee Ray. And, well, quite frankly, he is the star in the making you will believe. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So, um, great interview. It was great talking to you. Um, I loved having you on the show. I know B loved having you. Um, love having you on the show. Um, tell the fans like, where can we find you? What's your social media? Um, what's your booking info? Let let the people know. All right. So if you want to follow me, follow me on both Instagram and Twitter, Andy Meme Ray, Andy Meme Ray, especially on the gram. I post a whole bunch of a whole bunch of memes, um, same, same as Twitter. I also have a TikTok, Andy Meme Ray 99. That's what you see a little bit more of like the gamer side of me as as well. For any bookings, you could DM me at Andy Meme Ray on both the gram and the Twitter. And also you can D um, you can also DM me at my Gmail, Andy Lee Ray27 at gmail.com. Okay. We will have all of Andy Lee Ray's uh information, booking information, matches, all in the description. Um, this was a great episode, guys. Like I, I really, really enjoyed the conversation. Yo, it was Absolutely. fun and I would definitely join again if you have me. Yo, we would love to have you. Um, yes. So uh, it's been great. Uh, I'm your boy E. It's your boy B. And this has been Coffee Dad Aesthetic. Bow. Bow, 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 bow. Have a great week, y'all. I can't wait for this to drop. See you guys soon.